We're in lesson 25, and let me move, I think I need to move this up a little bit. Okay, lesson 25, tribulation and the kingdom. We're continuing seeing the end time events. We spent a lot of time last week looking at a lot of different things, and we, let, me, let me just draw this up again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little bit different. We saw this about Jesus coming and dying on the cross and then the church age and then the, the rapture and the tribulation and the second coming and the thousand-year reign and the great white throne judgment. We saw all of that, and we really spent some time last week looking at the different views of the millennium and the different views of the tribulation. And what we want to do this week is, is, uh, is really highlight something special, and that is this, that this tribulation time period where you have people arguing about, are we going to go through the tribulation or not? Will, will Jesus Christ come and the church be taken out, or will they go through the tribulation and those kind of things? What we really want to show tonight is that this tribulation time period is actually part of what what we call Daniel's prophecy. It's the 70 weeks of Daniel. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. And that we show that the tribulation is actually for the nation of Israel. This, of course, is the church. That's us. This is Jesus dying on the cross. That's the first coming. That's Jesus coming. That's the second coming to the earth, setting up the kingdom. Here's the tribulation, seven, seven years. And so we're going to see how these things fit together tonight. And, and we've, we've seen them. It's, it's really pretty good things. So let's start with this. The question is, why would we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture? Well, first of all, we've already said this, that many, many people don't even believe in a rapture at all because they don't even believe there's going to be a tribulation or a kingdom. And so there's a lot of people who, when they look at the Bible, they say things like, well, this isn't real anyway, and the things that happened in the book of Revelation happened in the first century, and so this is not something for the future. And yet when you really look at it and see how it fits together, it is for the future. So the bottom line is, when people who actually believe that there's going to be a tribulation, some people say the church is going to go through the tribulation, and some people actually say, it's to purify the church and all those kind of things. Well, the bottom line is, what is this tribulation for? And why do we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture that will be taken out? How many of you who are in the church age, how many of you would you like to be taken out before the tribulation? Right? Yeah, okay, okay, good. We're, we're in that good. Right, you know, that's what we want. Well, let's think about it. First of all, there is a distinction between the rapture and the second coming. At the very end of this lesson... There's a whole bunch of handouts. You don't have to turn them there right now. But one of the handouts is a distinction between second coming and the rapture. And it is a big distinction. If you notice, the rapture takes place where? In the clouds. Where does the second coming take place? On the earth. I mean, they're totally different. In the rapture, believers are taken off the face of the earth. In the second coming, believers are left on the face of the earth. And they, you know, so there's, there's a big distinction. So that's the first aspect of it. The second one is that Scripture reveals the church will not, go, will not be in the tribulation. If you remember last week, we gave you a whole bunch of verses that talk about that we will be delivered from the wrath to come, and we won't be in that. So I'm, I didn't give them to you here tonight. They're in the other lesson, lesson 24. But Scripture reveals the church will not be in the tribulation. The third thing is, the rapture could happen at any moment. That was one of the things you said a while ago. If, if we're waiting for this right here, that means it can't happen in any second because we've got to have the tribulation. We've got to have the Antichrist. We've got to have the 144,000. We've got to have uh, the Battle of Armageddon. We've got to have Gog and Magog. We've got to have all those things happen first. But since the Bible talks about that he could come at any second, in the moment, a twinkle of an eye and all that, well, the rapture could happen at any moment. That's why there's a distinction and why we hold to this. The other one is that the only way that the kingdom can be populated is a pre-tribulation rapture. We said a while ago that if the church goes through the tribulation, Jesus comes, everybody goes up and comes back down, they go into the kingdom of glorified bodies. We know that in, during the thousand-year reign of Christ, there will be people born who will, be, who will reject Jesus Christ. We see, saw that in Revelation 19. And that, yeah, question? Just but, yeah. Um, so that implies that 100% of humanity is either killed or taken up at the post-trip because the, at the, the non-believers remain Right, right. Yeah, at the post-trip view is that when Jesus comes back, believers go up and come back down with him to go into the kingdom and unbelievers are killed. 
That's, and, and that's when you see the, our view, which is just the second coming of Christ. The believers are coming with the Lord. There will be believers during the tribulation. There will be unbelievers during the tribulation. And when Jesus comes back, and we're going to talk about it in just a little bit, when he comes back, believers come with him, have glorified bodies. There will be some believers who will live through the tribulation and go into the kingdom to populate the kingdom. And the unbelievers will be put to death there. And it's the, it's the separation of the sheep and the goats. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. So you're exactly right. The people who basically hold to the second coming of Christ and th- that it's the same as that the, they don't they they know that all the unbelievers will all be killed and so going into the kingdom everybody has glorified bodies the problem is how do you have the how do you populate the kingdom there's no way to and then the last one and this is the one we're going to spend our time on tonight it's Jacob's trouble it's Israel's trouble it's not the church that this whole idea of the tribulation is not dealing with the body of Christ, it's dealing with the nation of Israel. And so we're going to see some things. We're calling this Jacob's trouble. And let's, as we start to leak about Jacob's trouble, let's, let's just realize that there is a big distinction between Israel and the church. The first thing is this, tribulation is discussed in the Old Testament, but the church is never mentioned in the Old Testament. Now, one of the things that I just want you to grasp is that this time period... It's, it's throughout the Old Testament. Daniel talks about it. Ezekiel talks about it. They're talking about a kingdom. They talk about the tribulation. They talk about these kind of things. And yet, the church is not mentioned in the Old Testament, so they don't even tie together. And, and so that's, that's one aspect. Okay, if y'all got that, I, I, don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on some of this. I just want you to get the idea. The second thing is that church and Israel are not the same. Now, you see, I think you have some blanks, right? Or do you? Yeah, well, you have some... Okay, here, here it is. This is for you to, to fill in if you want to. The church is actually a body while the nation and Israel is a nation. Okay, we know that, right? The church is, is a body, a body of believers while Israel is, is a nation. The church is made up of who? Jews and Gentiles who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, while Israel is made up of Jews. It's Jewish people. In fact, it's the descendants of Abraham through Isaac through Jacob. That makes up the Jewish people. So the church and Israel. The third thing is the church is basically has the whole world. We're to go into the whole world. We're to, to you know, go to the whole world and take the message of Jesus Christ, while Israel has a particular land that they live in. And if you look in, in Revelation, I mean, uh, Genesis, it gives you the, exactly the dimensions of the land. The fourth thing there is that the church is not under the law of Moses. In fact, we never have been. It's amazing to me to see people come up, and they want to put us under law to live the Christian life, and the, the body of Christ has never been under the law. And, of course, Israel has. They have the law of Moses. That's, that's when they came out of Egypt, God made them a nation. They went in with about 70 to 75 people. They stayed there over 400 years. They came out with 2 million people, and God gave them a law. He gave them a constitution. They went up on the Mount Sinai and got what we'd call the law of Moses and, and that kind of thing. The last one is Jesus said that he will build the church, and that it was future from the time Jesus lived on the earth. But the nation of Israel began with Abraham. Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. So think about it. If the church in Israel is the same thing, how is Jesus saying, I will build my church when it's already been going since Abraham? And so that's just a few distinctions. I just want you to see that, be able to put that together. Now, here's the third one. Uh, Y'all got that? Everybody okay? Okay, this is called Jacob's trouble. It's found in Jeremiah 30. What is Jacob's other name? Israel. So it's actually called Israel's trouble. So when we start thinking about this time period, and tonight, before we're through, we're going to be able to say, why is the tribulation seven years? I mean, why did the Antichrist or the beast that comes up out of the sea, why does he make a peace pact with the nation of Israel for seven years? How does that tie together? What does it have to do with anything? Well, I want you to understand that this whole time period is called Jacob's trouble, Israel's trouble. It's not called the church's trouble. It has nothing to do with it. The fourth thing uh, is that the, Revel- the book of Revelation, should say the Revelation, the book of Revelation shows the distinction between the church and Israel. Now, I want to show you this as we get to it. This is pretty neat. Watch this. In Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3, the church is mentioned 22 times. Okay? 22 times. And here is uh, the angel telling John, write to the seven, write seven letters to the seven, uh, to the uh, seven churches. So the church is mentioned 22 times. Beginning in chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, 
that he's taken up into the heavens and from 4 all the way to 19 basically is the tribulation time period. Now notice this. In chapters 4 through 19, the church is never mentioned. Why do you think the church is not mentioned in chapters 4 through 19? Because we're not there. And then watch this. When he comes back in Revelation 20 through 22, the church is mentioned what? Six times. So what does that tell you? The 4 through 19 deals with the tribulation, and the church is not mentioned at all in those chapters, but they're mentioned 22 times in the first three and six times in the last two. So it's just amazing when you start looking at that. That's how it ties together, and and it's uh, amazing. Okay, let me ask you something. I don't know if we got it corrected. On your handouts, on E, it says Daniel 9. Does it say 24 through 27? Or does it say, some of them, I found a, an old one is 26, does it say 24 through 27? It is, huh? It does. The, the new book says what? The new book says 26? It's supposed to be 24. No, okay. All right. Huh? So the new one, the teacher is right. If you got a teacher one, it's right. If you got a student one, it's wrong. Well, that always tells you the teacher's always right. I mean, that just tells you right off. So you should change it to make sure it's Daniel 9, 24 through 27. That's what we're going to be dealing with this, this, this next one, Daniel 9, 24. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to look at those verses. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. If you have questions, you can stop me, and we can go into more detail. But sometimes if you go into too much detail, you get bogged down. I've got handouts at the very end of the chapter, and we'll kind of talk about those toward the end. So turn to the book of Daniel. Uh, of course, it's toward the end of the, of the Old Testament. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then the Minor Prophets. So Daniel chapter 9, and we'll look at some, some, some great, great, great truths. Now, I'm going to... Can people... Can anybody see here? Can anybody see? I know I'm kind of in the way when I draw, but but you can see it, right? Okay, so I want you to understand that here is Daniel. If you remember Daniel, the nation of Israel, uh, after after Solomon died, the nation of Israel divided into two parts, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. The northern kingdom's capital was at Samaria. The southern kingdom was in Jerusalem. The northern kingdom never had believing kings. They did all kind of things. 722 B.C., the Assyrians came in and took the northern empire off into captivity. Then about 100 years later, 605 B.C., 645, 598, and 585, three different times, the Babylonians came in and took off the southern kingdom. So they all went into captivity, and the southern kingdom was in captivity for 70 years. In the first deportation, Daniel was taken off as a young boy, and he was maybe 14. He ended up getting studying and being chosen to be in leadership, and he spent his whole life in captivity. The Babylonians were taken over by the Medio Persians, and Daniel was, was in a leadership position, and he was in a leadership position all the way till he died. And we see it in the book of Daniel toward the end, he's probably in his 90s because he's been there 70 years, and if he was taken off when he was 14 or 15, he's 84, 85, close to 90. And while he's there, he reads, he reads in the book of Jeremiah. He's reading and studying the Bible himself, and he reads that the captivity is supposed to last for 70 years. And he knows it's, it's the 70 years. So he actually writes a prayer, praying to God to fulfill the promise for the nation of Israel to go back. While he's doing this, he gets some revelation from God, and God says, I've got something for Israel. I've got something for the people of God. I'm going to give them a certain time period to do certain things. Look at Daniel 9. I mean, I'm not sure how this works, but we'll look at it. Look at Daniel 9, verse 24. Daniel, he was praying and confessing. If you look back up a few verses, Daniel says, Now while I was speaking and confessing and telling my sin and the people's sin, Gabriel came, and Gabriel came to give me information. And so verse 24, he says, Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your, uh, for your people, 
and holy city to finish, and then he lists six things. They are to finish transgression, make an end of sin, do all this. But here's what I want you to understand. He says they've got 70 weeks. Now, I think you've got a, a blank or a place that says the word week literally means seven, okay? If I said to you, I got a dozen of those, well, how many would that be? Twelve. If I use this Hebrew word, hepta, and I said, I got hepta, you would say, you have Seven, okay? So when you see the word week, it's not meaning like a week of seven days. It just means seven. So he says, actually, 70 weeks or 70 times what? 70 times seven has been given to the nation of Israel. How many is 70 times seven? 490. Okay, so the nation of Israel got 490-something. The truth is, without going into a whole detail, the only thing that matches the Scripture is years. So God says, I'm giving the nation of Israel 490 years to do a certain thing. Let me check this and see what, what this is saying. Yeah, the 70 week of Daniel deals with the nation of Israel, and he gives Israel 70 sevens, or 490 years. Okay, now, does that make sense? And I want you to understand that here's Daniel... And he's living way back here, and the nation is about to go back to their homeland. And God says to him, through, through uh, Gabriel, I'm going to give y'all, and let's just use it this way, I'm going to give you 490 years. I'm going to give Israel 490 years. And we'd say, 490 years to do what? And he says, well, 490 years to end transgression, make an end of sin, to atonement for equity, bring in an everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and anoint the most holy place. And you can say, well, what is all that? It has to do basically with the coming of the kingdom. And so he says, you got 70 years, I mean, excuse me, 70 weeks or 490 years. Okay, does this make sense so far? The next thing you have to think about is when, when does this happen? Because notice that at verse 25, so that you know and discern from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there will be. Now, let me stop. He says, when does it start? The 70 weeks or the 490 years starts when? When there is a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Nehemiah 2 1 through 8 is the only place in the scripture where there's a decree to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. It's in the basic of the year 444 or 445 B.C. That's when the 490 years begins. I don't know if I have this on the slide. Yeah, the decree and restore Jerusalem starts, it starts the clock, Nehemiah chapter 2, 1 through 8, this we put 444 there. It's either 444 or 445 B.C. Okay, it ties together. So now, we have a starting point. God says, Daniel, I'm giving the nation of Israel 490 years, and it starts when there is a decree to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. Okay, does that make sense? Okay? Now watch what he says in verse 25, so you'll put this together. So that you'll know and discern that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, let's start. How many weeks did he totally promise them? Seventy weeks, which is 490 years. And he says, from the time of the decree, let's put the decree, until the time of the Messiah, look what he says, until, uh, he says, until the Messiah, the Prince, there will be 62 weeks and 7 weeks, which makes how many weeks? How many weeks? Huh? 69. How many years is that? It's 483 years. God says, from the time of the decree until the time of the Messiah will be 62 plus 7 weeks, which is 69 weeks, which is how many years? Four, uh, 483 years. Okay. Now, what's going to happen at this 483-year mark? The, it's going to stop because the Messiah is going to be killed. Now, Daniel, now let's, let's do two things. We know what we're fixing to see, but Daniel didn't know what we're fixing to see. See, Daniel never heard of who. Okay. 
So when you look at what Daniel sees, Daniel doesn't see this at all. We'll talk about it. So from the decree to restore Jerusalem, starts the clock, it says that there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, which is 69 weeks, which is 483 years. Now, you, we look at this, and some people are saying, isn't this a little bit complicated? It is. And I've got, just, I've got two different charts toward the end of your lesson that actually give you much more detail than we're giving you right here. I just want you to see it. So notice what he says. So you know and discern from the issuing of the creed to restore and build Jerusalem till the Messiah. There will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It'll be built again with plaza and moat, even in time of distress. When they were rebuilding Jerusalem and rebuilding the walls, did they have any problems? Ezra, Nehemiah, basically Nehemiah and Ezra and Nehemiah talk about rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the walls. I mean, it became a mess. People tried to fight them. Nehemiah built the walls in how many days? 52 days, wasn't it? I mean, so they built it, but it was a mess. So now, from the time of the decree till the time of the Messiah, 483 years. You already got the picture, don't you? What's going to happen? Notice what happens then. Then, after the 62 weeks, which is 62 plus 7, 69, he doesn't go back and say both of them again, but he says, after that time period, notice what happens. After the time period, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. What do you think that means, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing? What? He's going to be killed. Jesus is going to die on the cross. Now, I've got you two handouts that show you that from the time of the decree until the time Jesus came into Jerusalem on the last day, at, at, right before he went to the cross, it was 483 years exactly. Do you understand that there, I've got you a little chart that actually shows the number of days. Let me just stop and give you some idea. If you said, well, J.B., it can't be. This, this is 444 and something. You're talking about 483. That doesn't seem to match. That's because we have a year that has 365 and a fourth days. Jewish calendar had 360 days in their calendars. If you go by days and not by months, it will come out to be, and I don't know what the chart is, but it's like, what, 188? What is it? Anybody got the chart? There it is, 173,000 what? 808. That's exactly the days from the time of the decree until Jesus dies was, a, was that exact days, which is, on a Jewish calendar, 483 years. Okay, does this make sense? So I want you to understand, we're not, we're not playing a game. God says, I'm going to give you 483 years, and from the time of the decree until the time Jesus dies was exactly Jewish time, 483 years, or 100 and how many? 100 and something thousand? 170? 173,000? No, exactly days. And the Messiah will be cut off. Now watch this. Next part gets a little bit hard to follow. After the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Who came and destroyed Jerusalem in A.D. 70? Romans. And the prince who is to come, by the way, the prince is not Jesus. The prince who is to come is the Antichrist. See, he's fixing to give us some future stuff. Now, he said, you got 490 years. At the 483-year mark, the Messiah dies. The Roman people come in and destroy the city. And the prince who is to come is there, and there will be a flood and a war and a desolation. Okay? Let me move this along here. After the 69 weeks, the Messiah will die. The people of the prince who is to come, that's the Antichrist, the prince of the revised Roman Empire. Let me just tell you one quick thing. When the tribulation happens and a man of sin comes to power, was there a question? Did somebody say something? I'm sorry. When the man of sin comes to power, it's going to be a revised Roman Empire. It's going to be the Roman Empire that's going to come back to power with a ten-king federation. That's why it calls it that. Now, watch what he says in verse 27. And he, the he is going back to the prince who makes the decision. He will make a firm covenant with the many, that's the nation, for how long? What, how long? What, one week. How long is one week? Seven years, okay? Now, this tribulation or this time period is going to last for how long? Seven years. How many years have they used up at the Messiah? And they still got how many to go? Seven. And that adds up to be 
490 because that's what he promised them. So what I want you to see, the most amazing thing, that God said, I give you 490. At the 483-year mark, the Messiah is going to die. Then the prince is going to come, and he's going to make a covenant with Israel for seven years. Now, Daniel, Daniel said, thought, after the Messiah dies, what happens? This happens. He saw... 483, and then he saw 7 right after it to make 490. What happened at the 483-year mark? It stopped. God stopped the plan. And so he said to Israel, okay, we're stopping at 483. They could say, but you said 490. And he says, yeah, you'll get your other 7. But what I'm going to do now is I'm going to do something different. This was a mystery. I didn't tell anybody about this, but I'm going to take Jew and Gentile and put them in one body, and they're going to be the church, and they're going to have a ministry, and then when I get through with the church and take them out at the what? At the rapture, then I will come back to Israel and say, I gave you 490, you used up 483, you still have what? Seven. And that's why the tribulation is seven years. So watch what happens. So and the, he makes the Antichrist makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel for one week or seven years. And, I mean, it's just amazing. Um, and then here's what's so amazing. And, and the, the church is not mentioned. We're the gap. And then he breaks the peace pact halfway through. Let me read something for you. I'm going to read a couple of places. I'll give you the verses. This is in... <clears throat> In Matthew 24, verse 15, just write down verses 15 and 16, Jesus is talking about this time period, and he says right here at the halfway mark, three and a half years, it's also mentioned as 42 months. It's also mentioned as time, times, and half a time. A time is a year, times is two years, half a year. That's three and a half years. He, he basically says... Therefore, you will see an abomination of desolation which was spoken through Daniel the prophet. If you go back to Daniel, when he sees this, here's what he says. He says he's going to make a peace pact with them for one year, I mean for, for one week or seven years. And then he says he'll make a firm covenant with the many for one week, but in the middle of the week, what is that? Three and a half years. He will put a stop to the sacrifices then the grain offerings, and on the wing of an abomination will come the one who makes desolate. That's why Jesus called it the abomination of desolation. Now what happens is right in the middle of the three and a half years. Now we're not, we're gone. Daniel never saw us. He thought we'd go straight to this. There's this peace pack made. Suddenly in the middle of the peace pack, this guy goes in and he puts his idol up in the temple. And he claims to be God. And he wants to be worshipped. And you have to start taking the mark of the beast, 666. He has a false prophet that tells everybody to worship him. They puts an idol up in there that looks like the Messiah. Or when I say looks like the Messiah, looks like the Antichrist. And they demand people to worship him. And Second Thessalonians, let me read this to you, just to give you a quick idea. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, listen to this. Paul taught this to the Thessalonians. And we think, good gracious. He says, there, there, there will come the end when the man of lawlessness will be revealed. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as God. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Revelation chapter 13. Listen to this. Just giving you some verses. and You can write them down. You don't have to go to it right now. It says, I saw the dragon, and I saw a beast come up out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads. That's the Antichrist. And it says, uh, he, he, he caused the world to worship after him, and they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And he had authority for 42 months. How long is 42 months? Three and a half years. He opened his mouth and blasphemed against God. He made war against the saints and overcame them. In the three, last three and a half years, this man kills many, many believers. In the first part of the tribulation, we're not, we're not really going into detail tonight, 144,000 Jewish 
Jewish believers. They raised up, they trust Christ, and they begin to proclaim Jesus Christ in the world. At the three, and there's also two witnesses that at the first three and a half years, at the, basically at the end of the first three and a half years, the two witnesses are killed. They ascend into heaven. 144,000 are spreading the message. Many people trust Christ. He puts his idol up at the temple. You have to take the mark of the beast if you're going to buy or sell. In the final three and a half years, it's called the Great Tribulation. Many believers are killed because they're not taking the mark of the beast. They're running for their lives. And this is what's going on. And so Daniel knew that at the 483 years, mark the Messiah would die, then there would be this tribulation time period, then there would be this time that this guy claims to be God. And let me just go back to Daniel to read to you what happens at the end, as we, of course, we know what happens, but let me get back there to Daniel. And it says, he'll make this firm covenant, uh, he'll stop the sacrifices, and he'll make desolate, but then, then there will be complete destruction and it is poured on him, on him, the one who makes desolate. That means at the end he will be, he will be killed. It'll be over for this man. Because why? What's going to happen? Jesus is coming back. You've heard it talk about the, the verse in Romans where it says, and all Israel will be saved. They will, because at the end of the tribulation, the nation of Israel is going to turn back to God with 144,000, and they will call upon the name of the Lord, and Jesus Christ will come back and give them victory. The nation of Israel will be surrounded. The city of Jerusalem will be surrounded at the end of the tribulation. There'll be a campaign called Armageddon, which is actually Armageddon, the mountain of Megiddo. That's in the plain of Jezreel, and there'll be a battle there, which will ultimately surround Jerusalem and Jesus comes back to the Mount of Olives and destroys them all and we're not mentioned and if you said to Daniel Daniel what about the church he'd go I, know, well, I don't even know what you're talking about so the 490 years 483 years used up when Jesus died we're here but nobody knew about that we're gone, and the final seven years are there in which the Antichrist makes his peace pact with Israel. Halfway through, he claims to be God, puts his idol up in the temple, and there's great wrath, destruction. It's called the Great Tribulation. And let me just tell you, we're the body of Christ. This has nothing to do with us. These seven years have to do with who? Israel. It's their 490. It's their 70 weeks. It's their last week of the tribulation time period, uh, the whole thing. Um, he desecrates the temple. He brings the great tribulation. And so that's, that's what it is. So here's the, here's the timeline on this. I, the person drew this up. I just want you to see it. I want you to think about it. Okay, there's the decree to Nehemiah, Nehemiah 2, 1 through 8, to rebuild Jerusalem. It starts the clock. And they use up 69 weeks, or 483 years, and when the Jews reject Jesus and he dies on the cross, the clock stops. Okay? So how many years have the Jewish people used right now? 483. And we've been going on for 2,000 years, and they still have used 483. Okay, then here's the church. Church has indefinite time, but we don't know when. And then we're gone. The church is raptured, and guess what? Now, let me say something real quickly. When we draw these up, it looks like the moment we're raptured out, the tribulation starts. It does not. We're raptured out as a church. There's going to then be in the world great turmoil. There's going to be a ten-king federation. It's going to go to a three-king federation. It's going to go to a one-king. And when the one-king takes the power, he then makes a peace pact with Israel. So there's no telling how much time there is between the rapture and the, the tribulation starts with the peace pact. It, it could be months. It, it could be a year. We don't know. It could also be, it could happen very quickly. We just never know. The way things move nowadays, all kind of things could happen. But if you study the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, uh, Matthew 24 and 25, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, uh, Zechariah, if you start putting those books together, you will find this time period and the Antichrist and the 144,000 and the 42 months and the three and a half years and the times, times and a half a time, all of those things fit together. We're just not going into a lot of detail tonight. I just wanted you to see how this 490 years, how the 483 and the seven years, which is for the nation of Israel. So just remember that that, that tribulation really doesn't have anything to do with us. 
And I mean, I'm glad, aren't you? Who's, who's glad about that? I'm glad that it has nothing to do with us. Now, you, you feel sorry a little bit for the nation of Israel, but what, what does the tribulation cause the nation of Israel to do? They, they turn back to God, and they believe in who? They believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, it is the most amazing thing that the nation of Israel turns back to God. That's why when you read the book of Romans, chapters 9, 10, and 11, right? chapter 9 is Israel in the past, chapter 10 is Israel in the present, chapter 11 is Israel in the future. And in the future, they're suffering, and it says, then they will call upon the name of the Lord, and He will save them. And He's talking about save them in a physical deliverance, and they turn back to God, believe in the Messiah, and He comes and delivers them. Okay. Questions, yeah. What about um, those who don't believe who are not Jewish that are Gentiles? When? So at the time that the rapture happens. Okay. So I, so, are uh, they going okay. In the rapture, the rapture is for who? The church. church. And all church, every church person is a believer. Right. So you're saying, what about a Gentile and a Jew who are not Christians and the church is raptured out? Right. They're left on the earth. Okay. Gentile, but during the seven-year period, they believe. The Jewish, the, the, well, yeah, there will be, there'll be many people believe in yeah, Jesus Christ, Gentiles both Gentiles and Jews. It just so happens that at the start of the tribulation, God uses 144,000 Jewish believers to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. That's what's so unusual that when you see the start of that. Uh, whoops. Did I do a, I pressed the wrong button or something, didn't I? I did that the other day. Okay, let me go back. All right, so the clock, the clock starts again. We have the 70th week. That's the tribulation. At the end of that, the kingdom, then at the end of the tribulation, the kingdom begins. Jesus comes back, sets up a kingdom, and he rules for a thousand years. And then this chart just says kingdom begins, then there's the eternal state, and the, the 70 weeks is over. So any, just for a second, any questions about just how this thing fits together? I know I just drew it up there, and I've got you several charts. Yes. The best, yeah, there's two, there's two or three thoughts. One is when the church is raptured, I, I don't know if the camera could hear that, but when do we, when do we get our rewards? And we, we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And many believe that at the rapture of the church, while all this is going on on the earth, the church, the body of Christ, will receive their rewards so that when we come back with Jesus and go into the kingdom, we've got our rewards to serve. Old Testament saints that are believers, they are not raised from the dead. They're here, but when he comes back and sets up the kingdom, Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 says the Old Testament saints are raised from the dead to go into the kingdom. Many believe that that's when they get their rewards. We also know that there's a thing called the, the sheep and the goats. When Jesus comes back down, he takes there's believers and unbelievers on the earth when he comes back down, and the believers are the sheep, and they go into the thousand-year reign. They got regular bodies, and the goats are unbelievers, and they are killed. They do not go into the, into the kingdom. Does that help? So the one thought is that when the rapture happens, believers get the rewards. There is another view that says that when you look at the thousand-year reign, there's a 45-day time period listed in the thousand-year reign that nobody knows what it's for. Some people say that's when we get our rewards. I think it's up here, but nobody knows. But I think this is it. Yes? Sometimes when I talk and witness to believers and we get to come talking about this, I get into a lot of that spiritualized group that don't take it literally. So have you done a study on this stuff with different interpretations of the dates to realize where that arrives? What kind of a... Oh, uh, in other words... Well, first of all, the, the only people that's going to even have a tribulation time period are most likely going to be people who will look at the Bible in more of a literal way because the people who hold to the other views don't, don't have anything. Just the church goes along, there's no kingdom, there's no tribulation, there's no antichrist, the second coming ends everything, there's no millennial reign, there's none of that. Some people uh, who look at this, they might say, this is just, it, it's, it's not... Accurate, all we know is one of these days Jesus is going to come back. They don't even tie it in. But, but a person who would say, 
an amillennial type person wouldn't have any of this. They wouldn't believe any of this anyway. They wouldn't believe any of it. They would say that Daniel part is just spiritualized and given a bunch of numbers that has nothing to do with anything because there's no literal kingdom, no literal antichrist, no literal tribulation. They would, that's how they would hold to it. And, and what did he say? There was, none of this happens. Right. And so they would say that any suffering you have now is what the Bible calls the tribulation. And it's not a real time period like this. It's just, yeah. And, and it breaks your heart because people, they, they don't hold to the Bible. There's two keys here. The one is the interpretation of the seven. The other one's the 483 is a fantastic piece of evidence. It's that 444. Yeah, if you, if you take the Bible in a literal historical grammatical way and you actually go to Nehemiah, and you go right there, and I've got you a handout that shows it. And if you don't count years, but if you count days, it's exactly. It's exactly. So it matches the Bible perfectly. It means seven, just like we would say a dozen. If I said I got a dozen dogs, you'd know I have 12. If you back in that said, said I have a week, you'd know they had seven or something. And this is 70 times 7, and you could say, let's say if it's 70 times 7 days. Let's say if it's 70 times 7 months. Let's say if it's 70 times 7 years. The only thing it matches, the only thing it matches at all scripture-wise is years, not months or days or hours or anything. So if you actually go back to here and you count uh, 490 hours, it doesn't work. If you count 490 months, it doesn't work. But if you count 490 years, it's exactly perfect. So, uh, and most of the time he dealt with years, and he just, what's so amazing, he had just read what? That they would be in captivity for how long? 70 years. And so he comes back and says, okay, now you got 70 weeks, which is 70 times 70. So he uses 70, and that's, that's kind of the idea. Okay, we, we, uh, anything else? Because we, we got a little bit more to go. Yeah, go ahead. Why did, why did they start the clock at why that decree? Did why didn't they say, oh, there's the decree? Oh, I think some probably did. Uh, Daniel said, from the, going forth the decree to restore and build Jerusalem, it's going to be 408, basically 483 years. Do you remember uh, the, the man that knew that he wasn't going to die until he saw the Messiah? I mean, he knew it was close to time. I mean, if you actually believed the Scripture... And some Jewish people did, some people didn't. But if they actually held to the Scripture, they would have known that it's got to be time. Because, you know, even if you go back and you say, you know, it's been, it's been 470-something years since the decree. They would have to say, the Messiah, if it's all real, must be on the earth at this time. They had to think that way. But most of them didn't. In fact, when you start thinking about it, even the, even the ones that followed Jesus didn't even grasp he was going to die and rise again, more or less put this all together. Now, Daniel, if he could have come back from the dead, would have said, I told you all if you would just written it down and why, I mean, I told you, you know, how it's going to work. I would have loved to have talked to Daniel and say, and say, Daniel went straight from here to here and say, Daniel, you left us out. And he said, I never heard of y'all. And he hadn't, he hadn't heard of us. Yeah. Yeah, nobody knows. Some people say that the seven weeks have to do with the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the 62 come after that. And that's why he says later, after the 62, this will happen. So, but nobody knows. Nobody knows why he broke it up, 62 and 7. Because it adds up to be 69, and it adds up to be 483, and it's exactly right. But I've read all kinds of speculations, but nobody really knows. I guess what we could do is ask Daniel. And say, did you have any idea why he broke it up that way? And I know what Daniel's going to say. No, I don't. I don't have. I didn't even know what was happening. I didn't even know about y'all. You know. Okay, we better we better go a little faster so we can get uh, finished. Oops. Oh, okay. Now we'll we'll go quickly in this this last part because now we're going to get uh, that's the thousand years of eternity. Now let's talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ because this is the next event. And this is Jesus coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail just because of the time. And I want you to remember, there are two comings of Christ to the earth and one coming of Christ in the clouds. The first coming 
to the earth, he died and rose again. The second coming to the earth, he comes to rule in righteousness and justice. In between those comings, he comes in the clouds, which is the rapture, which deals with the church. So the first coming and the second coming really aren't dealing with the church, so to speak, okay? So when some people say, well, the rapture and second coming are the same thing, well, no, there's the first coming and the second coming. The rapture is totally different then. So just remember that. We're talking about now the second coming of Christ. There's a Greek word parousia, which means a seeing or seeing something. There's a word akapalutus, which means a sighting. And so what we're seeing is that Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's going to be a great gathering. Let me just read something for you in, in Matthew. Matthew 24, uh, 29. Here's, listen to this. You're going to love this. Immediately after the tribulation. Okay, where is that? It's right there. Listen to this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the skies, the power of the heavens will be shaken, and the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. All the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. He'll send forth his angel with a trumpet. They will gather the elect together. He's coming right here as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming. That's the Opticalusis. Now, I want to show you this. If you want to turn to Revelation 19, you can, but listen to this. Revelation 19:11. I saw heaven open and a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and he, in righteousness he judges. His eyes are a flame of fire, his head are many diadems. That's a bunch of crowns. And he has a name written which nobody knows except himself. What's so funny, I read this, and somebody will say, I think I know what that means. I said, you can't know what it means. Nobody knows but him, right? He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. That's who he is. And he's coming. And the armies in heaven are clothed in white linen, white and clean are coming. By the way, who is the armies in heaven coming in white linen clothed? That's us. What is the white linen? It's the righteous acts of the saints. It's our good works. And he goes on to say, From his mouth comes a sharp sword, which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. And on his name and on his robe is the name King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, he's coming. That's him coming right there. And guess we're coming with him. We went, whoosh, whoosh, and we're coming down. And we're having a great time when we're coming. And when it's one of those battles in which the general does all the fighting. And we're just watching and saying, you know, thank you for coming. And uh, we're glad you're doing all this. And uh, so there is, there is something that happens at the end. At his coming, he's coming to judge and rule. And there's a thing in Matthew. And I just want you to, you can just write this down where it says, Matthew, what is it, 31 through 30. This is called the, the judgment. Jesus, Jesus comes to get ready for the kingdom. There's a separation of the believer from the unbeliever. It's called the sheep from the goats. It's taking place right here. And it's dealing with people who have lived through the tribulation. They lived through the tribulation. And I just want you to know that uh, in Matthew 25, 34, the believers are the sheep and they go into the kingdom. And then in Matthew 41, 35, 41, the unbelievers are the goats and they're separated from God. So we'll, we'll actually... In the next to the last lesson in our study, we're going to look at judgments, and we're going to talk about the judgment of the sheep and the goats, so we'll go in a lot more detail then. But at the end of the kingdom, I mean, at the end of the tribulation, there is a division. So going into the kingdom is the church in glorified bodies, the Old Testament believers in glorified bodies, um, uh, Old Testament saints who were killed during the tribulation, um, excuse me, tribulation saints who were killed during the tribulation, they got glorified bodies. And then there will be believers in regular bodies go into the kingdom. It's going to be, it's going to probably be the weirdest time we'll ever experience because it'll be like, uh, things are going to be like, like the garden were. We're going to see the lion will lay down the lamb. There'll be all kind of different things. People are going to live a long time. The regular believers are going to, if, if a person's 100 years old and they die, people are going to say, boy, they were so young. And there's going to be us with glorified bodies, and there's going to be them, other people with regular bodies. And it's going to be strange. And Jesus will be sitting in Jerusalem as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Okay, with that in mind, then turn to Revelation. If you've got your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 20. At the end, there's a battle. 
at the end of the kingdom there's a battle and then Jesus takes Satan and casts him into a, a big old abyss. Revelation 20 verses 1, 2, and 3, Satan is cast into the Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years. And by the way, when people say it doesn't really say that, it says it six times right here. A thousand years. So when people say to you, the Bible's really, you know, it doesn't really say that. Just say, well, it says it six times right here. What do you think he means? Verse, verse one, thousand years. Verse two, thousand years. Verse three, thousand years. Verse four, thousand years. Verse five, thousand years. Verse six, thousand years. Verse seven, thousand years. So I think he means it, right? I think it means it's a thousand years. And at the very end, there's going to be a battle. A battle of Gog and Magog, another, another battle, Revelation 20, verse 11. There's a battle, and Satan is cast into the lake of fire. And by the way, just, just for fun, the, the Antichrist and the false prophet are cast in the lake of fire during the at the end of the tribulation. And the, the devil is cast in the lake of fire at the end of the kingdom. And then you have what we call the, the judgment. In Revelation 20, verse 11, it says, I saw a great white throne, and he who sat on it, whose presence from earth faded away. Here's Jesus sitting on the great white throne judgment, and this is where he judges the unbelievers, basically. And, and that's, well, let me go back just so you can have that. It's called the great white throne judgment. Here's what is amazing. It says this. It says their books are opened, and there's the book of life. And then it says that anyone's name not found written in the book of life is cast in the lake of fire. How do you get your name in the book of life? You believe. And so unbelievers are cast in the lake of fire. Believers are get ready to go into the eternal state. If you've ever had time to study it, in Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 5, there's a new heaven, a new earth, and a new city, Jerusalem. Let me just say one thing because we're over time, but I want to tell you that the, city, the new city, Jerusalem, there's going to be a new heaven, new earth, a giant city is going to be 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high. That's the city. It's got 12 gates. There are, each gate is made out of a giant pearl. There's foundations. There, there's all kinds of things. Just read Revelation chapters 21 and 22. It's the most amazing city uh, that we've ever, I've ever seen. Blake and, and Hunter and I have been going through this together. And we spent a whole hour just reading chapter 21 and 22, looking at the New Jerusalem. And, and there were things in there that we read it really slow. We said, I, I never even thought about that. There were some things in there I went, gosh, that's a, I didn't even think about that. That's pretty amazing. I mean, when you think that there's the, the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles and the 12 stones and the 12 pearls and the gates and the floor and the golden streets. and I mean, that's all that there. The city is so big, you can't imagine it. The wall around the city is like 400 feet high, but the city is 1,500 miles high. So if you think a wall 400 feet high is a tall wall, that's just the wall around the city. The city's 1,500 miles high. Oh, you were, yeah, you've been in the study too. So we, we, we spent a whole bunch of time looking at it. it was, we saw things we went like, I never thought of that before. So read Revelation 21 and 22 sometime, and you get the last thing. Now, here's, here's the key. What will we do forever in this eternal state? Revelation 22, verses 3 and 4 says, We will what? Serve Him forever. So that's it. So how we interpret the Bible literally, we understand how the end times fit together. And so that's basically it. You know the flow. Let me just do this for you. The flow is Daniel got a prophecy 490 years. At the 483 year mark, the Messiah died. The clock stopped. Jesus died and rose again. The church is going on one of these days. We're going to be taken out. When we're taken out, clock starts again, and they got final seven years. Halfway through, Antichrist claims to be God, puts up his idol. It's all really, really bad stuff. Nation of Israel turns back to God. They call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus comes back a second time and sets up a kingdom. There's the separation of the sheep and the goats. We go into the millennial reign. Satan is, is in a big abyss. Beast and false prophet are in the lake of fire. We rule for a thousand years with Jesus. Then there's the great white throne judgment. Unbelievers are cast in the lake of fire. The rest of us go to the new heavens and the new earth.